This is Tom Harvey, the Economy Guy. Welcome to the world of macroeconomics and how it affects you. I am looking at the world's economics, trying to interpret them, and more importantly, wondering where they are going and what they are going to do to us in particular. So this is your window into that world. I don't give any personal financial advice. I just give information and facts as I see them, and occasionally my opinions. I want this to be an educational show for you, so you can learn to think for yourself and make your own great financial decisions. Please enjoy it, and welcome. It is the 14th of February, 2021, and this is the Economy Guy coming your way. And happy Valentine's Day to you. Let's stop for just one moment right now. What I suggest you do, if you're listening to this on Valentine's Day, is that you turn this off right now. Come back to it later, but turn it off right now. Go give your better half a kiss. Make sure that you have plans for celebrating Valentine's Day. Do something, make it visible, do something nice, and uh, I think you'll be rewarded and appreciated. It's the right thing to do. You know it as well as I do. Well, here's what's coming up on today's topics. Here's the agenda for the day. I have five sections. The first section is I'm going to talk about international, what's going on in various countries around the world. This is kind of amusing to me, and I'll give you some amusing stories that you can just think about. You know, they, you're not going to make any massive investment decisions based on this news, but it is important to keep up. Incidentally, it is sunny and gorgeous in the south of France today. Fantastic day out. Fantastic, great day to be out. The second topic will be uh, the U.S. economic indicators. There, there have been some that have been published last week. I want to wrap them up. Some of them are kind of important to us. And so uh, we'll put those into our summaries and, and understand what they mean. Third is the summary of the U.S. markets. Where did the markets end? That'll be a quick wrap-up of what, what happened last week. Uh, the fourth one is the stock market is too high. Hey, I've been beating this dead horse for a long time, haven't I? Yeah, I think I have been, but I tell you, with my heart and soul, I do believe that the stock market is too high. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a different approach. I do that every time to what I mean by that. I'm going to tell you the measurements by which the top investors, and by top, I mean these are people who control hundreds of billions of dollars in investing in stocks and bonds and you name it. They are the people who are doing it. Tell you what they look at. How do they determine if the market is overvalued or not? I'm going to review that with you. I have a long list of indicators that they use. So it, it could be educational at the very least. And fifth and last will be the six precursors that I set out and I review every week. There have been changes in those precursors, so stay tuned for that last section. It is, uh, you know, we, we are getting closer <laughs> to, to a reset on the market. Um, but nobody can predict it when it's going to come, but nobody knows when. So with that, let's move on to the very first topic. 
So let's hit the international topics. This is our first segment. And I have uh, four different countries and things going on. The first is Amsterdam. That's in the Netherlands. Uh, their name is not Holland. It is the Netherlands. Uh, infamous for the tulip bubble. Those of you who know about the tulip bubble, that has, will have, make sure that the Netherlands is on the economy map for their lifetime, forever. Biggest bubble in the world happened. If you don't know about it, look it up. It's a big deal. A lot to be learned from that fact about psychology. But what's going on in Amsterdam? Well, everybody thinks that London is the economic center of the world, right? I mean, that's where all the money was. That was certainly the true in the past for Europe. But uh, this last week, the stock market in Amsterdam traded more shares than the stock market in London. Uh, that's interesting. And it's even more interesting to me that it wasn't Paris or uh, or someplace in Germany or, uh, you know, it wasn't someplace else. What about the big boys? How did Amsterdam crop up? Kind of a mystery to me. Interesting, though. Okay, next second country is Italy. Um, yeah, they were having a big potential re-election coming up because the, the government fell. Well, the uh, president of the Senate has the authority to uh, name someone to try to create a new a new uh, government, and he named Mario the super driver Draghi. And now Mario Draghi, for those of you who don't know, was a previous European Central Bank chairman. He ran the European Central Bank, so he is, and he's Italian. He's a, uh, a big wheel. He uh, is known in Europe as he'll do whatever's necessary. He printed more money than anybody else has ever printed, so he has a lot going for him. Uh, and he's a technocrat. So he was chosen. Now, it's his job now, and what he's doing this week, is trying to form a government in Italy. And in order to do that, he has to include one of two parties, uh, either the Five Star Party or the Northern League Party. He has to choose between them whatever the best deal he can get with them. What will happen based on this? Uh, it'll all fall apart in the future. It always does in Italy. Uh, governments don't last long. But it will put off the election, which scares the bejeebers out of everyone in Europe. Because it would probably be a potential of Italy leaving the euro, or even Italy leaving Europe. An Italiex, like a Brexit. Italiex. Okay. Anyway, third country, South Korea. Here's an interesting one. We always think things in the Far East are really booming, right? Boom, boom, boom. Well, guess what? South Korea just recorded last week its highest ever in history unemployment rate. Unemployment rate. That says uh, they're kind of struggling a little bit, I think. That's my interpretation. Moving on to my last country, one close to my heart is France. God bless France. Or France, as they say here. Okay, well, what about it? I want you to get a cultural lesson here. You uh, Right now, uh, you can't go to museums according to the law, but there was a mayor of one of the towns around who decided he would open his museum, and in defiance of the law, I might add, but he did it in a very nice way, and he did it with publicity and panache. And, uh, and, uh, and now the, Italian, the uh, French government is looking at opening all museums because he made the point that if people can go to church, uh, why can't they go to museums? I mean, what's the difference? You know, and, and, you know, because when you start using logic, you know, all of these rules that people put up kind of fall apart. And let's see. Oh, we also have a uh, the French. Oh, this is a wonderful one. 
the French government, this is official, the minister of the French minister of education, the French government, and President Emmanuel Macron, that's the president of France, they have both come out and said they think that this United States woke uh, cancellation culture is extremely dangerous and could erase French culture. They do not want to have anything to do with it. Now, that's a big deal when the head of the government comes out against that. I consider that a massive thing. We don't That doesn't exist in the United States in that highest level, that vocally. The French are leading right now. So interesting. Just a little tidbit. That's it for the um, for first second. Let's go on to the second segment next. This is the second segment, the U.S. Economic Indicators. I have three of them to review with you today. The first one is pretty quick, and that is the CPI, or the Inflation Index, was released for the month of January. It was expected to be 1.5%, not too much. Remember, the Fed wants it to be average 2%. means it has to go higher than 2%. But it came out at 1.4%. That says inflation is still dead right now. So that's, that's the number we watch, and it's now official. So we will continue watching it as it changes in the future. Second area is uh, how factory utilization. This is kind of an interesting I ran across, and it's, uh, it just raised a little yellow flag to me, a yellow flag, not a red flag. The um, factory utilization is how what percentage full are the factories in? I mean, when you get to 100%, you can't make anything more because you're using all the machines and all the people. Um, and, uh, and these, there's a... And measure of that, a couple of measures of that, in fact. And what's happening right now is that we're just about back to what normal. In other words, before COVID, that's almost full employment. This is slightly less than full employment, but we're getting there. And the question is, and this is the interesting question, if we are suddenly inundated with a lot of stimulus money, and that stimulus money goes into those factories to produce stuff, will we then push the utilization over normal? Will it get to be uh, excessive? In other words, we're really pushing product production. And uh, in that environment, wages have to go up because you don't have enough people. To, and so that could cut, could be a kickstart of inflation. I'm going to watch that one. Yellow flag going on. It's the first time I've ever heard that numbers and looked at it that way. But it's always interesting. The third and last area to talk about today is housing. Housing is always fun and exciting, I think. Let's talk about first-time buyers. This is the big problem. It's those starter homes. There aren't any. You know, what, we have a hot market. We have a big demand. Everybody wants to buy a house and very low supply, very few homes. That's, that's the current market out there today. Well, guess what? The U.S. government's going to come along here in an environment, incidentally, the lumber prices are up exceedingly high right now. Did you know that? Because uh, lumber mills and, you know, cutting down trees got, got slowed down due to the COVID. That's a temporary thing. I suspect that trees will grow, you know, well, price will come back into normal, perhaps. Depends on, you know, what government restrictions are put on it. But it's high right now, and that's not helping. So, but what the government's going to make some changes very soon in the house, housing market. They're going to do housing assistance. That's where uh, they allow a first-time home buyer to finagle their interest rate and have a lesser of a down payment. Uh, I might add the last time that that uh, was allowed to happen, and it was, the uh, housing market uh, crumbled. 
due to people not paying their mortgage. So uh, it's interesting. We're bringing back the uh, failed policies of the past. And uh, the, yeah, the other one is the uh, government is thinking of giving a first-time house buyers a $15,000 credit to help them buy a house. That all sounds good on the surface of it, except when you think about what's the problem. It's not the demand. Why help a buyer? I mean, that's just helping demand. Let's make demand worse. The problem is supply. Why don't they help the builder? Help the builder build a bunch. That's solved the problem. And then the purpose, the the government's objective is to get people into houses, especially first-time buyers. This that would do it. So uh, it meets their objective, but not it's not their idea. So I don't think that'll happen. Interestingly enough. So so much for that. Uh, let's go on to the third. No. Was it the third segment? My God, one, two. No, we're going on to the third segment next. Third segment's the market. It's coming up. And now on to segment three, the U.S. market summary. Last week, the most interesting thing was the stock market. The Dow ended up an additional 400 points, which made it set a record. And guess what? It also set a record in trading volume. In other words, more shares were traded last week than ever before. So um, I d define it as frothy. That's a good word, frothy. That's what you put on the top of a cappuccino. Okay, and guess who's frothing it? It's been measured who's frothing it. It's the small investor. It's not the big guys. It's the small guys who are doing the buying and frothing it. So... Uh, that, that is a historic sign up atop, another another indicator for what it's worth. Put it in the big pile over there. Okay, how about the 10-year Treasury? It continued to go up in yield. It ended up at 1.20%. Now, that's one of the ones we follow as being a precursor for a meltdown in the stock market. It's continuing to go up. How long can it go up before stocks crack or the Fed has to take action? Who knows? I mean, what I can say is that, hey, this last week, oh, no, that's not last time. Let's take the whole year, the year to date. That's about six weeks. People who have owned uh, ETFs in, 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 uh, in like in that holds the 10-year treasury, they have lost six or seven percent of their value in six weeks. That's what's going on because the 10-year is going up and other interest rates are following up. Some of them, not all of them. Gold uh, was up and down and all around. Uh, end of the week, up $10. That's good. Uh, it's, uh, I, I consider it undervalued still based on all of the inflation, inflationary pressures being with money printing and all that. But it is what it is. Uh, so be it. Uh, the U.S. dollar uh, came down at the beginning of the week, went up at the end of the week, kind of went sideways for the week. That's bottom line U.S. dollar. That's the way it is. That's the wrap for... The markets last week. Let's move on to the big topic, which is, uh-oh, something's going on. With When is the market going to crash? I don't know. Let's see when the market is going to crash. I'm going to start part four here, the fourth segment of the, today's podcast, and give you a little philosophy about what is the political and economic environment in the world, especially in the United States today? What's going on? 
And I'm going to use an analogy here. I'm going to use the analogy of Yellowstone National Park, one of the most beautiful parks in the world. Truly gorgeous. If you haven't seen it, go see it, by all means. Here's something that happened in Yellowstone Park. A little history. Uh, remember, this is an analogy. Before 1930, remember that was right after the 1929 big, big crash. Before that, in the roaring 20s and all that, there were fires in the Yellowstone Park, and they caused by two different things. One is campers screwed up and the fire got away, or another one is uh, natural causes like lightning. Well, what the yellow the people, the forest fire fighters in Yellowstone did before 1930 was they only put out the fires that campfire people mistakenly set and uh, and let the natural ones burn. That's interesting. After 1930, they put out all of them. And then guess what happened? 50 years later, 1980 was the big one. Uh, Yellowstone burned down in 1980. It was a, a forest fire that could not be put out because there was so much tinder that had been on the ground, never cleared out by natural cleaning out fires, that it could not be put out. It was just too hot. And, uh, and Yellowstone burned down, effectively. It took, took a long time to come back from that one. Well, that's kind of why the, the, this is an analogy to, in economics, on stock markets or the economy, of a recession or depression happening. That's what a forest fire is. It clears out under dead companies. That's what recessions do and depressions do. They clear out dead companies that shouldn't be running anyway. Well, we're not allowing any recessions. We're putting out all the fires right now, aren't we? Well... When the big one comes, it could really, really, really come, I think. Uh, politicians, look at the, the political side is really important here. That's, politicians can put up with a recession. You know, if it's a mild recession, they can put up with it. They can make some hay. Remember, politicians only want to get reelected. They really don't care about much else. The, um, but a depression puts poo-poo on everybody. So... Politicians do not want a depression to ever happen. That means uh, if a major market crash happened, it could go into the depression. Therefore, political pressure will be on the Fed to never let that happen. And that's kind of what's going on right now. Uh, there are a lot of political pressure to do that. Uh, now I'm going to give you a, a, a little change, change of subject a little bit, just a, a little tidbit of information in this is uh, what happened to the market in 1967. 1967, I mean, nobody was born that's listening to this. 1967, well, that's not true, but what the heck. Uh, the Dow was 1,000 points. Remember, it's uh, way up there, way over 30,000 right now. And it was 1,000 points. That's what the Dow was. And it cracked. Guess how long it took for the Dow Jones, after it fell and cracked and it had a big market down, how long it took to come back to 1,000? points from a thousand down back up to a thousand for the first time about 15 years 1982 is when that happened it, so think about that you know, is our market so high that we could go through another 15 year drought of not i mean if you bought a stocks now you wouldn't get your money back for 15 years that's not good so think that's a Something for you to think about. Now let's shift to a, uh, a list of measurements of 
how high the stock market is. Now, these measurements are used by the big boys, the guys who control billions of dollars in the market. And this is what they look at. And so it's worth knowing what the big guys look at. I mean, what can't hurt the little guys if you're looking at that too. If you're a big guy though, you know you're looking at this stuff. Okay, here's a here's a, a just a list. I'm gonna go through it. I'm not gonna define these things. They're somewhat explanatory. First one, the median price to earnings. So PE ratio, right? Uh, the price to the gap earnings. That's a different kind of earnings. General accounting principles, gap. Okay, the price to the Schiller earnings. So Schiller has come up with their own measure of earnings. So three different measures. P different people use different measures. The fourth one is price to the Schiller operating earnings. All about price to the Schiller operating earnings with gap earnings prior to 1994, which is that's when gap came in. So to put those further back and see what happens. A market value to the Schiller total NIPA earnings. Got all these different earnings. Isn't this interesting? Total market value to the total NIPA earnings. Now more classic ones. The price to cash, cash adjusted earnings. The price to operating earnings. The price to forward earnings. The price to four-year trailing and one-year forward earnings. The price to one-year trailing and one-year forward earnings. Isn't it interesting? And people have all these different ones. I think I find it fascinating. Here's classic ones, yeah. The price to sales, okay? The price to book, the price to cash flow. And the last one on the list is the dividend rate. That's a dividend rate as an indicator of the value of a share or of a market. In this case, it's all the market. Incidentally, just a little tidbit here, the dividend rate for the S&P 500 is 1.6%, not too much. See, so it's, um, you're not getting much if you're buying today, if you're buying the S&P 500. Now, every single one of those ratings have been declared to be extremely overvalued, not just overvalued, not a lot overvalued, extremely overvalued. Every single one of those things I read to you. So that's what the big boys are looking at. They know that the market's overvalued and it's overvalued in a big way. Could it be overvalued even more in the future? Yes, they acknowledge that because you never know where the top is. But you, after, after it goes down, you know where it was. <laughs> so hindsight is perfect. Now I'd like to put a little context around that and because I use price to earnings ratio, I always have as my measure. Uh, I always use uh, 16 being the median, and that's a, a definition that's a different one than the one these people use. So I'm going to use theirs, their median price to earnings. In other words, what, what it's been historically, the median price to earnings is 17.3. Whether it's 17.3 or 16, it doesn't change the end result of the conclusions I'm reaching. So it doesn't matter. Currently, currently, well, meaning when this was written, the... Uh, the price to earnings ratio is 27.3. 17.3 is median, 27.3 is where it is. It's overvalued. And that's called very overvalued. Very overvalued. They, they don't use the extremely overvalued term here. They could, because at the end of January, it wasn't 27.3, it was 31.2. So it's been higher, it can get lower. This S&P is amazing. Gosh. So what 
So what does that mean? What I mean, and, and this is the this is the real lesson here. If the market cracks, how much money will be lost in the market? Just looking at the index, the S and P five hundred. It's currently twenty seven point three. Well, if you reduce the market by twenty seven point three percent, same coincidence, the number is there you get to being right from very overvalued down to just being overvalued. You haven't even got the medium yet. If you want to get down to median, you have to lose 44.7% of the market. Say 45% of the market value has to go away just to get to the median. But markets never stop at the median. When they're going down, they overshoot. Always, always, there's a, a lesson there. You can count on it to the bank, take it to the bank. And to get down to undervalued, the next thing down, the market will have to lose 62.1%. So say 60% of the market is going to get wiped out. Now that is deflationary, but in the extreme, that's a lot of money going to money heaven. So the problems we have with the market, it's so high, it's so awful, is they are extremes. We talked about that list and they were extremely overvalued, all of them. That was the definition. Extremes are what's driving the market. There are three big ones. First is there's extreme leverage. People are buying on margin. Extreme leverage. They're, they're buying with leveraged products. So uh, puts and calls and you name it. There's all kinds of fancy things out there to bet on the market that are leveraged. A lot of leverage going on. That's highly dangerous when the market cracks. It's great when it's going up. It's not so great when it's coming down. Second extreme is extreme valuations. That's just what we've been talking about. Well, the market is at an extreme valuation. It's too high and it will correct. Count on it. And the third extreme is there is extreme euphoria in the market today. That's a psychological content, the euphoria. And at the top of all market cycles, there is euphoria. And we have it. There is euphoria today. So everything is in place for the market to turn. Will it? Can't predict it. That's why the last segment, which is about to come up, I'll review the six precursors for the market, and hopefully we'll be able to see it happen before it happens. And that's just hopeful, because sometimes they just happen. On to segment number five. This is the precursors, or the predictors that we're looking at that might predict the cracking of the market. There's six of them that we, that we review each week, and here's the list. The first one is the 10-year Treasury bond. It continues to go up. Remember, I said it stopped, It was at Friday, it was 1.20, a new near-term high um, for it, and it's going up. Uh, that, that says to me, 10 years is pretty far out because the Fed controls zero, the zero-term interest rates, you know, the, money market rates, one year, those kind of things. They really control those tight. But 10 years out is harder for them to control. They have to actually go in the market and buy 10-year notes in order to drive interest rates down. Um, they're losing that battle. If interest rates are going up, they don't want them to go up. They're losing the battle. That's that's my conclusion here. They're losing it slowly. It's, this, this is going up slowly. But if it continues going up, at some point, it will crack the Fed. The Fed, Fed will have to act. So... The um, bond market is still a bear market. It is. It turned into a bear market when I, I stated it a few weeks ago. It's firmly in that bear market trend. Okay, second indicator is high-yield bonds. 
if anything, the high-yield bonds got stronger. I mean, they're uh, lower interest rate. That happened. Uh, but I want to tell you about high-yield bonds, give you a little tidbit, side, side piece of information. Junk bonds, that's the high-yield bonds, or junk bonds, they, they can be rated from one to five. One meaning they're really good bonds. They have a lot of collateral. If they go bankrupt, there's money that you'll get paid out. You may get money, all of your money or some of your money, but you'll get some money out if the company goes bankrupt. And five is really a bad company. There's no collateral. You're going to lose everything. So they're rated from one to five. Today, the average of the junk bond companies is, da-da-da-da, drumroll, 4.1. Uh, that says bad. Very bad. Very risky. Very, never been that bad. Very bad. So, but people are still, still buying them, and the interest rate is going down on high-yield bonds right now. We're also, third indicator, we're looking at the U.S. dollar, looking for it to fall. And it's kind of going sideways. It hasn't really moved off the cliff. It hasn't started going down. So nothing to, to look at there. Number fourth indicator is the CPI or the inflation index. And remember, we just re reported in this podcast that January was 1.4%, which means no inflation, very low inflation. Only when it gets above 2% will I take notice. So I'm saying, ho-hum, the Fed doesn't know how to create inflation. They're failing at that, too. Another failure in the Fed. The fifth indicator is the Fed policy change. Have they're changing their policy? And the answer is a roaring no. They are sticking with what they say they're doing, and they're doing it. So God bless the Fed. And people are betting in the stock market that that will remain, too, because they're saying that the Fed actions are propping up the stock market. And there's some truth to that, for sure. And the sixth and last um, prediction is, are there any bluebirds like the the amazing GameStop episode, which is now petered away, and so it is now history in, in the history book. And the answer is no, there was no exciting news that came out that threatened to tear the markets apart. So that's it. The um, In summary, it's uh, watch the interest rate. That one's the most interesting one to me. That's the market speaking. That's people demanding more interest for 10-year treasuries. And 30-year, I might add, too, but 10-year. And, uh, and that is the one that's that is uh, the hot one to watch now. That's it for the economy guy. I wish all of you a great, 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 great week out there. Be talking to you. Bye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to hit that subscription button. This is Tom Harvey. I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. Nothing should be construed as advice or solicitation to make a trade in any market. And I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by the listeners.